Welcome, everybody, back to another edition of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers, and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. The Team Blaney Podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been diehard followers of the Blaney Racing family for about two decades. Today, we closely follow third-generation driver Ryan Blaney, who pilots the number 12 Ford Mustang for Team Penske on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit. Each week on our podcast, we will review Ryan's latest NASCAR race and then give you a preview of the race for the upcoming weekend, offering news, notes, statistics, and analysis. Steve, welcome back to the podcast. We're coming off of a what I would call a solid run at Richmond Raceway, and it wasn't exactly the most exciting race, I would say, maybe until the last few laps overall, if you're looking at it in the grand scheme of things. You, you texted me right before the race, and you asked me for a prediction on finish. And what did you say? You said 15th. 15th. And I said? 12th. 12th. I missed it by one spot. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, overall, though, I mean, yeah, the race itself, um, the weather, you know, the sun coming out, changed the track a little bit, went back in behind the clouds. Um, but we definitely saw the gains that we'd hoped to see. Um, something was changed and something uh, was gained because of it. So um, the crew chief made some moves, the driver made some moves, and uh, some things happened. Um, in the middle of the race, when the event happened with the crash and the caution, it totally flipped everything around for a lot of drivers. And that, unfortunately, is something that happens sometimes. Yeah, there's a lot of strategy going on in this race. And uh, I know you've been to a Richmond race before, and it was a little bit lackluster, kind of follow the leader. And we had a little bit of that. Uh, obviously, the restarts kind of added a little bit more excitement to this. The final restart, we see somebody that who had a early on didn't have the best car because they were, I think Bowman was close to being lapped at one point, was able to kind of put the rest of the race together, come back from that, and then pull off a, one of the best restarts of the year. Um, I think uh, Joey Logano said in his post-race that they that he, that he the 48 team kind of snookered them all, <laughs> like they're just kind of hiding back there. And they talked about maybe some air pressure adjustments. So again, it's crew chiefs kind of doing some things, trying to, to make something happen for their drivers. But um, overall, I think it was a good weekend of racing. Thankfully, that, that finish kind of saved it as a, as a race as a whole. But why don't we go ahead and talk about Ryan's race this weekend at Richmond Raceway. Ryan Blaney, Race Recap. Richmond Raceway. Yeah, the um, interesting thing about this race um, was the, what you said about the, the things getting spread out. And um, restarts is where everybody makes their gains. And then Clint Boyer said it like four or five times on the broadcast about how there's a bubble. You get to about three or four tenths behind somebody, and unless you're just that much better than them, you get stuck there. And if they use your line or you use their line, it became kind of hard to pass. So uh, restarts become very important. Making the position on the restarts become the most important thing. And, um, of course, the analytics uh, article that came out last week uh, that uh, was online last week showed Ryan's one of the better restarters in the business already, and uh, he did uh, make some hay early in the race. Um, we have stage breaks of, uh, lap 80, 235, and 400. And the competition caution was at lap 30. Ryan started seventh. Uh, of course, during the pre pre-race, they showed you last week's pit incident. So, uh, you know, we've had to relive that one more time. Um, but right on the restart, uh, here we go. Lap one, right on the restart, he gets a great start and gets himself all the way up into fifth and, uh, lap eight, he passes the nine for fourth. 
And by uh, lap 11, he's back to fifth as the nine passes him back. But a couple laps later, lap 15, he passes the nine again, back up to fourth. Uh, he passes uh, on lap 20. He passes the 22. He's all the way up to third now. So um, once again, now that things are spread out and he's, you know, you get that uh, four or five, you know, 10th second lead on somebody and uh, you're going to be in that position for a while. I think it was really interesting at this point. I mean, I, I was, you know, communicating with you a little bit, showing, uh, using some emojis to show my surprise or confusion or, I mean, this just wasn't something we've seen out of Ryan at this track in a, in a long time. So it was great to see him actually moving to the front and holding his position. Yeah, they talk about um, over the radios a couple different times during the day about rhythm. And um, Todd and, and Ryan worked hard, I guess, this past week on, on, on a rhythm. Um, if you look at uh, Richmond from an aerial view, it's not your normal shape of a track. Um, the back straight is is straight and then when you turn off three and four and head around the front stretch the front stretch is just a big letter d shape you're you're still turning on the front stretch pretty much the whole front stretch it never straightens out so getting the balance of turns one and two three and four is extremely important but you got to remember that there's technically a turn five there too that you're dealing with on that whole front stretch and uh, i think they, they talked about rhythm because they talked about the rhythm of, uh, of, of breaking, where to break and when to break and come off the break. And it really showed as, as, as this run went on. Um, by uh, lap 27, um, Josh is talking to Ryan about the different lines everyone's driving, and they come to the competition caution. And at this point, Ryan says he's only a touch loose, and um, they just want to tighten it up a little bit. So they do um, four tires, slight air pressure. Goes in third, comes out third. Um, choose cone, he goes low. And choose cone is interesting at this point because Denny takes the high line as the leader. And he, you know, he jumps out there. And as he jumps out here, his line moves a little bit better. So if you're up in the first three or four rows, you may want to be you know, wherever the leader is because he seems to get that jump on a restart. Um, so there's 43 to go in the stage when they go green. By uh, lap 38, he is fifth, and uh, like I said, the high lane is, is where ha uh, Hamlin started, and that kind of, you know, stretched out a little bit there. By lap 55, he's 3.65 back of the lead, and uh, like I said, the sun starts to come out at this point. It kind of changes track a little bit. Um, lap 66, he's uh, fifth, and the 11th still leading, and lap uh, 75, He's 4.85 back. So he hasn't lost much in 20 laps as far as the distance between him and the leader. Um, he's still hanging in fifth, fifth place. Uh, at the end of the stage, he ends up fifth. So we get stage points at the end of stage one, um, something that uh, he has never done before uh, at, uh, at Richmond. And, uh, of course, he tells everybody that on the radio, you know, <laughs> just kind of mocking himself. Yeah, it's been good that they were at least seemed a little bit more upbeat this race the last couple of times ryan's headed into richmond he's already been going in there with a little bit of a negative attitude and i kind of feel like todd and the rest of the team kind of got together before this race and we'll probably talk about it a little bit later on and really worked on the preparation and you know reminded everybody you know that we're a team penske race team and even if this isn't your best track you're still expected to perform and you can't perform in this equipment so 
Mm-hmm. It was good. It, things were a little bit lighter headed into this weekend, and it, I think the results uh, proved that. Yeah, Ryan and Todd talk about uh, the strategy, and they said the cloud cover kind of played away from what they talked about, but uh, they do make um, some uh, work on the, uh, the track bar adjustment even. Uh, they pit fifth, and they come out fifth. So once again, pit crew is doing a good job holding serve. Um, that pit selection on pit road, they were up near the front of pit road there on the bend. So uh, they had a car behind them that the, that was going to be a lap down, and they were able to just go right in and uh, race their way right out behind uh, Truex every time. Now, I know you. I don't know if this is too early to mention this, but we we're talking about how you mentioned already that they they brought up the pit mistake that happened last week before the pre-race even started. But one thing that was interesting during this race was that they were showing um, the top pit crews uh, in the Cup Series, and they had a little graphic up there that that showed you who's had the you know the top ten fastest pit crew this year. And that number twelve team falls six on the list as you know fastest by average uh, pit stop time. In the entire Cup Series, so again, I know we're keep pushing against the doubters that are that of this pit crew, and they, you know they can't rise to the occasion. But um, if you're you know just outside the top five and fastest pit crew, I think you're doing a pretty good job. Yeah, the the things that um, they don't or they did point out when they talked about that is you don't know necessarily what teams are making what adjustments either. It's not always like oh they were a little slow with the gun or something bad happened. Sometimes they put they're putting a, uh, a wrench in the window and making some turns and it takes a little longer and they're taking a rubber out or something, you know, out of a spring. And the other thing to mention too, is that Ryan's really not one of those teams that uh, when it comes to the penalty report early in the week, that they're the one of the ones being fined for loose lug nuts, maybe every once in a while, but not, not too often. So I feel like, I mean, Denny Hamlin's crew is definitely one of the best on pit road overall, but they're also one of the teams that gets tagged for that. Uh, loose lug nuts, especially at the end of the races sometimes. So who knows what these guys are doing early in the race before uh, they actually have to have them inspected at the end. Yeah. So they um, they start stage two um, and uh, he chooses the high, uh, high lane on the choose cone there, uh, row three. Um, by lap 93, he's up to fourth. And lap 97, uh, the 48 passes him, so he's in fifth at this point. <clears throat> About two seconds back of the leader, uh, Denny Hamlet, at this point. Um, we go lap 103, the four passes, he's in sixth. So whatever change they made is, is, is hurting a little bit here. And um, he's about 20 laps into the run. They said it's going to come to him at this point, but it, it's still, you know, not working out. Lap 107, back to seventh. Uh, lap 111, back to eighth. And uh, lap. 114 ninth um and then uh at lap 131 he's he asked uh, todd asked for a read on the balance uh because they know they're gonna be pitting soon um they come in they pit and they're ninth and when they come into pit now this is lap 138 at lap 142 the caution happens okay now some of the cars have pitted some haven't you're a lap down caution was for it was a six-car, Ryan Newman. Cindric yeah. got into him, yeah. Cindric got into him. Now, Cindric, I saw somewhere, as a, you know, said he made a rookie mistake. But the thing is, is this did pretty much change everybody's day. And you're going to blame uh, people are online, and this drives me crazy. I'm sorry. I'm going to get on a soapbox for a second. Um, 
they're online going crazy about the crew chief. He did this and he did that and he did this and he did that and they didn't do this or they should have done that. Well, the first thing that happened is there was a caution and a caution happened at a time that was not opportune. And what they did is adjusted from there. And they did the best job they could for their guy to try to figure out a way to get him back up there. Ryan was running ninth at that point. He had dropped back a little bit. Um, mind you, once again, if they would have got into some long runs and he got into that bubble where, you know, nobody got to pass anybody, he might have stayed eighth or ninth all day long. Um, but they got to take a wave around and uh, to get their, their uh, lap back. Um, so when it all cycles through and they go to the green at 148, he is 16th at this point. By lap 149, he ends up 18th in that restart. Um, bottom of three, basically, at a couple of points on the restart because they get uh, all bunched up. Everybody's trying to make hay. And now he's back in traffic now, too. So the car's going to operate a little differently than when you're running fourth and third and fifth up there and spread out in some clean air. Um, now, this is at the point, I think, where they, they start on this run and they get like 174. He's 18th and 177. Um, they, he tells Ryan, he says, if the balance is decent, we may go long here. Um, and they, they do do this strategy. Him and uh, Brad, they stay out. You know, other guys end up coming in and pitting uh, at uh, lap 185, and uh, they stay out. And this is what Todd said later in the race. He said he tried to manufacture track position. Okay, they're 18th. They're running a lap down. They're losing some ground. But the thing is, is they get back on the lead lap by staying out. And if somewhere during that time period a caution falls, and we're talking like a 40-lap time period, not just like two or three laps, you know, 30 to 40 lap time period between there and the end of the stage. If that caution comes out and he's still on the lead lap and then he comes in and he gets his fresh tires, all of a sudden, guess what? It's top 10 back where he was again. So. Yeah. I mean, this is a position where you're the crew chief and you're trying to make something happen. Um, your driver already isn't necessarily the best at this track, but he's kind of holding, holding serve and in, in the position that he's in, the balance has been okay on the car. So they're just trying to make something happen. And if we've said before about crew chiefs in this position, if that caution comes out in five laps after, you know, they're going long here and it's happened to when Brad Keselowski with Paul Wolf, they used to do this strategy all the time, um, which I think is part of the reason why Brad did this. Well, he went along with this in the first place too. I think he's, he prefers this type of strategy too, because they've had it pay off in the past, but you look like a genius. That caution comes out, somebody spins, uh, some debris on the track or something happens. Like you said, you're right back in the in the thick of this thing, and you look like a genius. But just because that didn't happen this time, um, you get the normal people kind of complaining and doubting the calls and all that stuff. But as we talked about before, even the way that this kind of turned out, it was a little bit of a wash. You know, he's running back there in 18th position, and there's a pretty decent chance he makes that pit stop, probably loses a little bit more ground because the leaders had already pitted, and then he ends up lapped anyway. Yeah. Yeah, think about this. At lap 185 is when the green flag pitting happens, okay? From lap 185, and it took till lap 218 before he actually gets passed uh, by the leader. So what is that? Uh, 15 to 32 laps, 33 laps before he gets passed by the leader. So anywhere in that 33 laps, we have another caution. 
he's back on the lead lap and getting fresh tires. Um, and, and who knows too, cause some of that early on at lap two or three, he's running fifth at lap two or eight, he starts to fade a little bit to seventh. Cause now some of the guys with tires are finally making their way up there. Um, like I said, two eighteen is where he gets passed and, uh, two twenty one. um, he ends up 17th, 225, he ends up 18th. So, you know, it's still lapped down at this point, but, uh, you know, right about where he ended up at the start of that cycle. So at the end of the stage there, uh, Denny wins the stage. And uh, like I said, he's 19th, one lap down. And there's only eight cars on the lead lap at this point now too. So um, he's not the only one that had that issue with the whole sequence uh, of that caution falling when it did. It was really interesting that Brad almost made it. He's just a couple of laps, maybe a couple of lap cars away from actually making the strategy work out. So it almost worked. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth a shot. Like I said, Todd called it manufacturing, trying to manufacture track position. And, uh, you know, he gets a caution and everybody online would have been having a field day, having a good time with it, you know. Um, so they end up 19th at the end of the stage. Only... Uh, Eight cars, uh, eight cars were lapped down. I'm sorry, eleven cars were on the lead lap at this point. Uh, they were pitted 19th, out 18th, and choose cone high at this point. And uh, they're looking for the lucky dog at this point. And they only had to get to about three or four cars in front of them to get it, but um, they end up chasing it for <laughs> for a while. Um, lap 276, he passes the eight for 17th. A lap uh, 290 green flag pit stops begin. Um, he ends up 17th. Uh, basically, when this, it cycles through, he ends up 17th. So uh, the only, there was one car, I think it was Ricky Stenhouse, was trying to stay out longer. But once he pitted, everything cycled. And everybody pretty much held serve where they were. Uh, lap 300, there's 12 cars in the lead lap. And the lucky dog at that point is the two car. Um, Brian passes the 42 for 16th at lap 305. At 310, he passes the 99 for 15th. Uh, at lap 325, I just made a note here, it was pretty quiet on the radio. So basically, you know, they're in that where everybody's spread out. And the only thing he really needs is when he comes to a slower car to pass them and uh, not nothing for position at this point. Uh, lap 343, uh, they pit in 15th and it cycles through. He ends up 15th. Um, then there's the caution at lap 380. So we've got 20 to go, the four crashes, and, you know, you know that everybody's going to get tires that are on the lead lap. So everybody that's a lap down, you also know they are going to take the wave around. I mean, you have to at this point. You get back on the lead lap. If you get another caution, you can come out and get tires. So uh, that is the move. I don't care what anybody else says about crew chiefs you know <laughs> i was pretty excited at that point and, and at first i was like oh well we'll see how this how this turns out but then and then i remembered it dawned on me i'm like oh well everyone waving around is also has about the same set of rubber on their cars too so i was like so if ryan's you know car's handling pretty decent he might be able to make up a couple more positions here and i think you said you were hoping you're like all right this is when we can get to 12th because uh, you wanted your your pick to pay off so uh, he was already sitting in like 15th or so at the time so right right so here we go 20 laps, okay, to, 20 20 laps, laps to, go. to go yeah 15th and actually ends up 14th because the four crashes so he gains that one spot right off the bat 
Uh, they take the wave around. They're on the lead lap. The shoe's coming high. At lap 390, they're going green. He gets himself up to 13th. By uh, 398, he's 12th. And then the last lap, he catches the nine car and passes him for 11th. Um, Todd says, great improvement. Uh, something to work on from the fall. Um, Todd also tells uh, uh, Josh, nice job spotting, too. Um, you know, we know that the 48 does what he does. And, and mind you, once again, that's a, uh, something that uh, the guys that are the first four or five cars, they would, if they were smart and the crew chiefs were going to adjust the air pressure, they knew they only were going to run seven, eight, nine laps, you know, do something that you can make a good pass in, in a short run. And uh, the 48 definitely did that. Yeah. One thing that Todd said after this race was that he said he could tell that Ryan put the work in or did his homework or um, really studied leading up to this. So what that tells me is that they probably did a lot of time in the simulator. He probably spent a lot of time watching old races or watching old telemetry from drivers that are successful. And that's what you have to do if you want to be at the, the peak of this game is you have to put the time in. You do have to do your homework. And instead of just going into this assuming that it's going to be a bad race because this is a bad track and that same old story, uh, try to do something about it and make something happen. And I said this on Twitter, but I haven't been excited for an 11th place finish in a long time. But I was pretty pumped after this one because Ryan's best finish at this track in the Cup Series, he's had some decent runs in the Xfinity Series, but in the Cup Series, best finish prior to this was 17th. So he had an average finish after this race, after finishing 11th, his average finish is now 23.4. But that 17th place finish came in the 2019 fall race at Richmond. So... It's a long time coming at this track. What this does do is show you that he ran well at Martinsville, which is important for the playoffs. And then Richmond here is also an important chunk in the playoff schedule too, if I'm right. So, And that, this was one of the tracks that kind of bit them last year in that first round. So something to build on here to have a solid run, and it'll be really important, really important later on in the year. Yeah, uh, they, they talk on the radio about the improvement and um... – that yeah, you, homework is something I heard a couple times too. And and that thing is, uh, the, like I said, rhythm was a word that Todd used a couple times about the rhythm and balance. So there's something to those words uh, that that means something in what they talked about and uh, definitely showed, um, especially early in the race. And like I said, if the caution doesn't happen, and Ryan ends up ninth or tenth, and cycles through and stays on the lead lap. And then they do their different things, and you know nothing like jumbles up the, the field like that. He's probably in the top ten on the restarts near the end. He he, he might get himself up to fourth or fifth, you know, and and, and that would be super great. But um, the one thing this team is definitely showing as the year has went on is when there's adversity, they don't just hang their head. It doesn't just stop them. Um, they figure out a way to get out there and get a finish. And 11th place doesn't, you know, to some teams right now, you know, doesn't sound great if you're Denny Hamlin. But for what we were going through during the race, to end there, it's a great day. Yeah. Every week that they face adversity, I just keep saying, this is what championship teams do. 11th might not seem exciting, but um, it really meant something to this team. So, again, just to reiterate, Ryan started the race in 7th, got stage points in that first stage, finishes 11th, 
Alex Bowman in the 48 is the one to bring home the victory. I think the first time since Dover in 2017 that that 48 car has made it to victory victory lane. So good for them, but good for Ryan in, a, in another solid finish. So I think we could put Richmond there uh, in the rear view mirror. We'll take a look ahead to Talladega. But before we get there, let's take a look back into the history of NASCAR. This week in NASCAR history. Starting us off, April 21st, 1968, David Pearson takes the lead in the final 10 laps and wins the Gwyn Staley Memorial at North Wilkesboro Speedway. 17 cars are eliminated by engine failures. So this is one of those things, engine failures. It's something that if you listen to NASCAR Radio and Chocolate Myers talks about this all the time, the cars that are out there on the track now in the modern era are basically bulletproof. You don't see too many engine failures, but 17 cars that are eliminated, and it's not... I mean, I'm thinking, I was just thinking when I'm going through this stuff, you know, to me, like, 1990s is modern, and then you're thinking, oh, wait, that's that's several <laughs> decades ago at this point. But the last time I really remember engine failures being a thing was probably a little bit early on in my, my fandom, which was, like, early 2000s. And you would still see, you know, Dave was running, you know, he'd blow an engine every once in a while. Um, so, but now you, it's really, really rare. But when they do uh, seem to expire these days... They go up in a ball of flames. <laughs> well, it seems like that once the engine shops got consolidated, in other words, the manufacturers um, only go to one or two places now to get their engines. So, you know, for a Ford, it's always a Yates engine, you know. So they're, they're uh, more, um, unless there's a really big air somewhere in the shop, um, it's not like very likely to happen anymore. That's true. There's less competition in people really, really trying to push the push the envelope. So, what we've, we've what's that resulted in? A little bit less engine failures, um, but a lot more exciting racing because a lot more people are out there still racing. Mm-hmm. Moving on, April twenty first, nineteen seventy four, Richard Petty wins the Gwyn Staley Memorial at four hundred at North Wilkesboro Speedway using a small engine in his Dodge. Under NASCAR rules, the small engines could compete without restrictor plates while the large 426 to 429 cubic cubic inch engines must run a carburetor restrictive device. April 25th, 1982, Harry Gant, a bridesmaid for his entire career, finally hits the jackpot by winning the Virginia National Band 500 at Martinsville. Gant finishes a lap in front of runner-up Butch Lindley to score his first win in his 107th start. I think they called him Handsome Harry Gant. Coming up next, April 21st, 1991, ending a 19-month victory drought, Daryl Waltrip outruns Dale Earnhardt to win the first Union 400 at North Wilkesboro Speedway. And then finally, our last date here for this week in NASCAR history, April 20th, 1998, Bobby Hamilton's dominating performance nets an overwhelming victory in the Goodies 500 at Martinsville Speedway. Hamilton finishes 6.3 seconds ahead of runner-up Ted Musgrave, to score his third career NASCAR Cup Series victory. I think that was a good bunch. So that wraps up this week in NASCAR history. Ryan Blaney, Weekend Preview, Talladega Super Speedway. All right, Steve, the NASCAR Cup Series is headed back to that big track in Talladega, Talladega Super Speedway for the Geico 500, Sunday, April 25th. The race time is 2 p.m. Eastern time. You can catch it on TV on Fox or on radio with MRN and SiriusXM NASCAR Radio. A 500-mile race with stages at 60, 120, and 188. 
And Ryan Blaney, his last few times, two out of the last three trips to Talladega Super Speedway, that 12 cars ended up in victory lane. And regardless of what happens, there's always action on the track there. And it's always one of those races that you look forward to every year. This is one of the ones where you want to go to NASCAR and buy the spotter for the month (laughs) to be able to listen to the different spotters. It doesn't matter who your driver is. You're going to want to listen to to some of the radio um, because this is constant information. Um, They're looking out the windows, looking out the mirrors and and trying to absorb all the information. And uh, what's really great about Ryan in this situation, he's gotten really good at, uh, you know, judging the, where the runs are coming from and getting in the, in front of the right run and, and leading laps. Um, you know, he's very Dale junior esque, if there's such a word, um, in doing this, he, he gets, he gets himself out front and he's able to lead the, whatever line is coming at him and, uh, does a great job of doing it without it looking dangerous or anything like that. Yeah, he's definitely grown into one of the best restrictor, well, not even restrictor plate, best super speedway racers in the business at this point. Always in the mix at Daytona, always seemingly in the mix here at Talladega. One thing that you pointed out in his very first start in the Cup Series at Talladega, he led 15 laps, and that was in that number 12 SKF Ford, one of his first starts in the Cup Series uh, for Roger Penske. So led 15 laps that day, finished 22nd. Overall, we were just talking about this. He doesn't have the best results at this track outside of those two victories. But, I mean, honestly, at these uh, super speedway tracks, you never really know what's going to happen. He's crashed out three times. He had an engine failure once. But he's also, like I said, led 15 laps in that first race. In 2017, led 27 laps one of those races, then six laps, four laps, 35 laps in the win in 2019. 63 laps in that win in the spring race in 2013, or sorry, 2020. So, crashed out in the fall this past year. So, but you never really know what's going to happen. But you do know at some point that 12 car, and probably with the 22, and probably with the 2, and then probably with the 33 with Austin Sindrick. I don't think it's been announced yet, but I would say there's a decent chance that that car ends up running at Talladega. I'm not sure. Um, we'll have to check that coming up, but. And don't forget the 21 car. Oh, the 21 too. Yeah, so it's just this whole <laughs> band of uh, Penske and Penske-affiliated cars that can kind of take over these races sometimes when they work together. Now, when it gets to the <laughs> the last couple laps of these races, as we saw at Daytona <laughs> earlier in the year, um, maybe the Penske drivers aren't always on the same page. <laughs> so uh, we, we would like to avoid that as much as possible, though. But Ryan, for the most part, has been a team player uh, when it comes to these tracks. He doesn't uh, forget the people that helped him along the way. So um, we've seen him win two exciting finishes there. I think both of them came at .007 seconds. Uh, a victory, so uh, looking forward to something else that um, will be just as exciting and hopefully an, another good finish. Honestly, if he, he comes out of there with two great, clean stages and gets some stage points, um, he's won several uh, stages on super speedways, so maybe he'll make that happen. Let's take a look back at the last few uh, races here at Talladega. Let's go back to 2016 when the Penske teammates of Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano 
swept this uh, Talladega series that year. 2017, that's when Ricky Stenhouse Jr. went to victory lane. Brad Keselowski again followed that up with another victory and then followed up again by Joey Logano. So you're kind of seeing a uh, trend here of Penske drivers winning over and over again. Eric Almarola has a win at Talladega, then Chase Elliott. Then you have Ryan Blaney's back-to-back wins in 2019 and 2020. And Denny Hamlin was the one that went to victory lane in the fall race last year during his run to the championship four. You know, we talked about adversity earlier, and uh, the, the one one of Ryan's wins, uh, he spun it out coming into pit road, you know, but stayed on the lead lap, um, gathered it up, got it all back together, got back in there, and, uh, you know, ends up in front. So uh, the only thing that, that could happen to you during this race that's bad is, is having a tire blowout, um, whether it causes an accident for you, yourself, others, or it blows the uh, quarter panel out of the car. Um, otherwise, if you can keep everything um, without getting dented up on the car and you can get in that draft, um, you can go places and uh, you have a shot to win at that point. Yeah, I think we've talked about this before going into the Daytona race, and you just mentioned that Ryan is a little has a little bit of Dale Jr. in him when it comes to these races. And Ryan is has rarely been one of those drivers that just kind of rides around in the back. That's And that's definitely something Dale Jr. has talked about. That was never his philosophy. He felt that, um, unless his crew chief forced him to do it, he felt that you needed to be up front, you needed to be making runs on cars, because you need to know, I mean, you might think that you can just stay in line and, you know, ride the, the wave and, and just, just make it through the race and then finally at the end get a little bit daring. But Dale Jr. has always said that if you did that, then you have no idea how your car is really handling. You don't know what kind of moves it can make. You don't know what it feels like up front. You don't know what it feels like when you're pushing somebody uh, aggressively, especially like you need to do sometimes on these late race restarts that tend to happen because the carnage tends to happen a little bit later in these super speedway races. So I expect to see that 12 car up front with his teammates um, swapping positions for the lead early and often and then hopefully all the way to the end here now the good news is is that we have a little bit of a points cushion here which we didn't really have before early on in the season so ryan sits fifth in the cup series standings 130 points out of first place and he's also fourth in the projected playoff standings too with that victory plus his stage wins and some other points that he's picked up along the way so if they have a bad race at talladega say they crash out it's definitely not going to be the end of the world they can move on and make it up from there, especially with that win in their back pocket. So if they were in a different position, say they didn't have that win in Atlanta, we'd be a little bit more nervous heading into a race like this. Yeah, some stage uh, stage points uh, would be uh, is nice. Some stage wins would be awesome because this he's got three stage wins already this year, and uh, that's almost like winning a whole other race. So another stage win or two, you know, uh, sta- uh, winning a race is five points. So, I mean – couple more stage wins would be great yeah and he's hovered around that the last few playoff runs that he's made he's hovered around at that because he's usually well he's only ever won one race in a season so that gives you the five points and then he usually wins a handful uh, of stages so he hovers around that eight playoff point mark and that's not really gonna push you forward deep into the playoffs unless you win like he won that fall race at talladega that pushed him into that i think second to last round so Unless you do that, it's a, it's a lot harder. So you do want to pile a lot of that stuff. You want to pull, pile up stage points just in general to give you a better starting spot going into the playoffs. But if you get the stage points, like you said, 
you pick up a bunch of those, it's just like winning races and really, really becomes important at the end of this thing. So again, if you want to tune into the Geico 500, it's Sunday, April 25th at Talladega Super Speedway. The race time is 2 p.m. Eastern time. You can catch it on Fox or on the radio on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Ryan's won two out of the last three trips to Talladega, and Team Penske overall has won a ton at Talladega in the last decade. So as we said, look for those cars to be strong, and look for Ryan Bellini to be strong this weekend. Speaking of people being strong, not necessarily on the racetrack, but strong in putting a fantasy lineup together, my man Steve and his Mez 12 team in the NASCAR and the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League was putting down some points this weekend. Yeah, I figured out something here and there. I'm trying to change the lineups and we talked about usage, uh, you know, not using guys as much. So I tried to pick a guy or two that was a little different that uh, I haven't used as much. Um, and it, uh, it definitely helped the team. So I had a request going into this, and I apologize if I didn't understand it completely. So if you're listening, make sure you hit us back up again on Facebook or Twitter. But I had a request that we read the top five uh, finishers, which I'm assuming they meant the top five finishers in the Fantasy League at Richmond. So I'll go through those. In first at Richmond was Supermod with 238 points. Then Sam Speedsters with 238 points, tied for first. In third, we had Go Larson with 235 points. In fourth, we had Bulldog 0277 with 233 points. And then Mez 12 rounding out the top five with 230 points earned this past weekend at Richmond Raceway in the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. So, Steve. Who did you have in your lineup to get you those sweet, sweet 230 points? <laughs> well, I worked with uh, uh, Byron, Chase, Joey, uh, Martin Truex, and Denny Hamlin. Um, I had Kyle Larson in the lineup at one point, but then I put him in the garage. Uh, I think it was Byron I took in and put in his place. But I had, um, I had Denny for the winner of the race, which, you know, I was very close. Um, I had Larson as the top Chevy. That didn't work out at all. I had Logano as the top Ford, and that definitely worked out. I had uh, Denny as the uh, top uh, Toyota, and that worked out. So I got some extra good bonus points there off of those guys. Um, there were some good stage points going on. Uh, Joey and Martin uh, gave me a ton of points from their stage uh, stage finishes and where they finished the race. So that's where the bulk of my points came. Yeah, I think that was kind of my downfall. I had Martin Truex Jr. in my garage, and I was hesitant to pull him out. I thought it was a great decision after he sped on pit road and got sent to the back, but he did earn a ton of stage points. I mean, his total points was at 50. He had 32 place points and 18 stage points to give him that 50 points that boosted your uh, your uh, overall fantasy points for the weekend at Richmond. My starters were Joey Logano. He got me 50 points. I had Kyle Busch, who was really pushing it, getting it onto pit road, and ended up speeding, but I think he could have had an even better race. Ended up with 33 points. I had Chase Elliott starting with 25 points. This was my sleeper pick for the weekend, and it worked out okay. I had Christopher Bell, got me 40 points, including seven stage points there. And then another one that I thought was going to show up because he had some interviews before uh, the race saying that, you know, Richmond used to be one of his worst tracks, kind of like Ryan, but he's finished in the top 10 last several times, and that was Austin Dillon. I thought, you know, he's another one of my sleeper picks, 
but he only ended up giving me 30 points um, with three points in the stages. I had Martin Truex Jr. picked as the race winner. That didn't work out. I had Chase Elliott picked as the top Chevy. Obviously, that didn't work out with Bowman winning the race. I had Joey Logano as a top Ford, so I did earn five bonus points from that. I had Truex as the top Toyota. Again, that didn't work out. I had Toyota as the winning manufacturer. Again, did not work out for me. But, for some reason, I decided to go out on a limb and pick Hendrick Motorsports as the winning team, and that did get me 10 bonus points. The real surprise in this whole race, to me, uh, and I almost picked him too, and I'm glad I didn't, was Kyle Larson, who I think ended up multiple laps down in this race. He was completely out to lunch, and I don't know that he got any damage or anything. It just seemed like, just was not prepared, so... Um, was on the fringe of picking him, but definitely that five car. That doesn't mean that five cars out. You know, the rest of the year he he already has a win <laughs> under his belt, and he's going to dominate several maybe, more races going into the future. Maybe he was still hungover from his sprint car win over the weekend. That's true. That's true. He did take it to victory lane once again in this in the sprint car ranks. So let's go ahead and take a look at the overall Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League standings. In first, we have Doug K0525 still holding down the top spot with 1,759 points. We have Moon Cup in second with 1,716 points. Then Mez12 has vaulted again up the standings into the third spot. 1,710 points. Fourth. So that means he's passed his favorite team other than his own, Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing. In fifth, we have Rochi12. And in sixth, we have Dean Omight. It's my favorite one to say every week. In seventh, we have Supermod. In eighth, we have in eighth we have I'm a winner. In ninth, Blaney's Daisy is dropping down the leaderboard. And then in tenth, we have Semper Fast with 1,635 points. Again, you can join the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. Just sign up for NASCAR Fantasy Live. Search for Team Blaney. Join the league anytime. I think you can join all year long if you want, just to keep adding some adding some points and see where you rack up against us. Even if you're not in the overall points, you can kind of take a look and see what you do week to week. And, um, right. and you and, probably still pass me. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure. I think you read that top five of each week too. Would be kind of a cool thing. See how you do. Uh, even if you don't not uh, up in the top part of the standings, um, any given week, get to that top five, and uh, Adam will read your name on the air. That sounds good to me. So, Steve, I think we've covered everything we needed to cover this week on the Team Blaney podcast. Again, another solid run for Ryan. Not another one, but a, one of the first solid runs for Ryan at Richmond, Richmond Raceway. We're headed to Talladega this weekend for the Geico 500. You can tune in again to the Team Blaney podcast next week for a recap of all the exciting things that happen on the track there, and hopefully we have plenty to talk about. Yeah, just take, uh, you know, when you're doing your fantasy lineup this week, um, make all the names, put them in a hat, and just draw five. <laughs> Because yeah. really, truthfully, anything can happen. 20 laps into this thing, uh, you know, something could happen and wad a bunch of them up. And, you know, all of a sudden, guys like Brendan Gone are in the top five, you know. Don't, so. yeah, don't waste your picks. This is when to bring some people out of the woodwork and throw them into your lineup. Again, guys like Michael McDowell prove that they can win on, on these super speedways and they run consistently well because they, they find a way to, to finish these races. So. You like watch this. This will be a week for guys like uh, Suarez and Wallace. Um, you know, I'm sure that the uh, the, the Penske teammates will try to help uh, Matt DiBedetto get up there. Um, you know, to get try to get him a win possibly. And uh, well, there is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. 
Um, he's four wide by himself in these races. So, <laughs> you know, be looking for the 47 to make some sort of move somewhere along the line. And he's got nothing to lose. So nope. that's this is where he makes his hay. Party one, thank you again for tuning in to this episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. If you'd like to learn a little bit more about myself or co-host Steve, please listen to our first episode that really dives deep into how we both became fans of the Blaney Racing family. If you'd like to interact with us a little bit, you can find Team Blaney on Twitter at Team Blaney and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Team Blaney. Don't forget to also download, rate, and subscribe to the Team Blaney Podcast on the Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and most of the popular podcasting apps. And once again, to close out our show, I want to remind you to check out the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. This organization established in 2018 supports causes that have closely impacted the Blaney family, including the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine. You can find out more about the foundation on its website, ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org, or on Twitter at rbfamfoundation, and then finally on Facebook at facebook.com slash rbfamilyfoundation. And then once you log on to one of their social media accounts, you can go ahead and see information about how to sign up for the Blaney Bunch Fan Club, where all the proceeds are basically a, a donation that goes to the foundation and their partners that are doing great work out there for Alzheimer's and concussion research. And you can get yourself a fancy Ryan Blaney Family Foundation Blaney Bunch Fan Club fan pack. I know Steve has received his. Mine came in over the weekend. That has some stickers and your poker chip and... Um, some really, really nice stuff, and T-shirts are on the way. So go ahead and check that out. Join the Blaney Bunch fan club, and we can all um, cheer on Ryan, Dave, Dale, and anybody else uh, involved throughout their racing endeavors. So for my co-host, Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers, and we'll catch you next time on the Team Blaney Podcast. <laughs>